Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik joined by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, today in the real life, as we record, is a very depressing day. It's a not good day. Um, but in the TV world, it was a hell of a week for TV. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Because damn, this was a week of TV. It was, and I haven't seen like the really important stuff yet. So. <laughs> Some of it. Well, I mean, like I still haven't seen. I mean, the Sandra's wedding, Sandra's wedding over on Superstore. I haven't seen that yet. Yep. I haven't seen. Apparently, it was a a intense episode of Black Lightning. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I'm behind on Fresh Off the Boat. I'm, I didn't even try with uh, BoJack Horseman. We're both several seasons behind. I know that'll be big for people this week. Sabrina has been out again. But yeah, there's some. We're, we're both we both have some gaps this week, listeners. But the TV I did watch. Uh, there was a lot of really good stuff. So I'm very excited this week. Uh, welcome. We're welcome back to the show. Friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker from the AV club and public drug cast and debating Dr. Who and hall of faces and lots of places. Um, so that was super fun to, we mostly talked about the arrow finale and then a little crisis, a little of the series overall, but that was, that was a super fun chat. That's coming at the end of the podcast. It was, I'm, it was really good. And I'm always glad when Alison comes on. Yeah, she's always a blast. And plus, like we don't actually know that many critics who watch Arrow. <laughs> so it's always nice to actually talk to other critics about about these superhero shows that we so enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh to give a quick preview, what are what are the big heavy hitters that you're behind on this week? Um and the one and how excited are you for the other ones? Right. So I haven't watched the evil or good place finales yet. And mm-hmm. I'm very frustrated by that. I've been staying off my main Twitter timeline and just looking at my mentions exclusively, pretty much. The restraint. I respect It's you. safe there. <laughs> yeah. It's safe in my mentions. <laughs> um, now you realize as soon as this goes out, someone's going to be a dick and like just well, at you. By the time that this drops, I will have watched them. Okay. Well, and also, so, listeners, let it be known, the reason Noel hasn't watched these is because he is a good partner, and he watches this with his per- th- these shows with his person, and so he's not watching them because she's out of town right now. So, like, props. Well, in this case, it was, well, I have time to watch these before the podcast during the day, since I don't really work on Fridays, but she would be very upset if I watched these without her. That would be a dick move. So I'm it not going to do that. It would be a dick move. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to... Watch Mom, which was good, and then call it a day and play some video games, <laughs> which is what I did today because I'm also like half sick. So well, I just went, okay. Yeah, you got to take care of those. Get some tea going. Got to take care of those those vocal cords. So much tea today, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> and we're well, we're going to be talking the good place next week. We're going to really dive in mm-hmm. with it. Um, we wanted to make sure we had enough time to really digest it before we did our season spotlight. So or series spotlight. So that's coming next week. Um, but this week, lots of TV to get into. So let's take a break and uh, we will listen to a little music and come back with a very full week in TV. We'll be back right after this.
This week in TV, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Miracle Workers Dark Ages premiere, Graduation. The Knoll's going to catch us up with Fresh Off the Boat. This week, The Magic Motor Inn is the title. Then I will I will tap dance around the Good Place finale whenever you're ready. Um, Noel caught up with Picard, uh, so he'll give his thoughts on the premiere, but then also episode two, which I am currently behind on. Then I will tap dance around the evil finale, which we'll talk about more next week. And we'll both talk about the emergence finale, uh, Killshot part two, the Supergirl episode Back from the Future part one. And then, of course, you know, you know, we had to talk Doctor. Well, you, you know, I had to talk Doctor Who, but Noel also has to talk Doctor Who because I look forward to your thoughts. This week's episode is Fugitive of the Jadoon. So first up is Miracle Workers Dark Ages. And as people will remember, listeners will remember from last season, uh, last year, Miracle Workers season one centered on like guardian urged angels um, trying to prevent the earth from being destroyed by having to to make or to get two nerds to kiss uh, two socially awkward people to to kiss and and that was the the tension Steve Buscemi is God Daniel Radcliffe uh, Geraldine Visenwathen and a couple other people were um you know the ensemble were these angels who are trying to make it happen and then it didn't really work like we wanted it to and TBS was like yeah we got good stuff here but that didn't Mm, creator Simon Rich, or maybe it was his idea, someone's idea, to say, let's just reboot, let's just do something different, we'll make it an anthology show, we'll keep the same cast, and we'll do something different for season two. And so this year, this season, they're doing Dark Ages, so all the characters are in a, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, Galavant style, like, very theatrical kind of um, costuming, and it's very much like a picture book version of what the, the Middle Ages would be. Um, our main character is definitely a Viswathan, um, who is uh, Alex, uh, who's a uh, shit shoveler. <laughs> like, there's a bit about how everyone, all the the kids are graduating, um, and now they're all gonna like. Well, like I forget her first name. Susie Baker is gonna become a baker, and um, Johnny Carpenter is gonna become a carpenter, and Teddy Pervert's gonna. What are you doing again? Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> And so Alex Shit Shoveler, what are you off to next? Kind of a thing. Uh, so so it, the Buscemi plays her dad. Um, then they brought in Peter Serafinowitz to be the oh, king. Nice. Right? To be the king uh, or the lord or whatever. And Daniel Radcliffe, he's somebody like the merciless. And <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is his son, Chonsley, who, who likes to spend his time training ducks to do like a review. Um, and he doesn't have like a descriptor yet. Um, and so he's worried about living up to his father's legacy and everything. So like they cuts back and forth and they're going to have the characters interact and so far it's it's pretty fun and charming it's like the it's easy to throw out the comparison to blackadder but i don't think that's fair because blackadder is one of the funniest best shows ever in my opinion so that's not particularly fair to, to have it, expect something to live up to that but i think the energy that they're bringing is good the kind of hangout vibe of the first season is there here as well and there's a lot of potential i think with the show like with the the setup that they've given them and it I mean it's not gonna change your world but if you were intrigued by the cast if you like the set like if you're looking for another like kind of hangout comedy with these kind of trappings check it out um i certainly will be sticking with it at least for a while and like we've said several times in the podcast it's just fun to watch Daniel radcliffe just do silly ridiculous things because he can and it would be fun um because he's got that potter money so he never needs to work again if he doesn't want to so he just is doing things he's interested in and it's very this is a very charming show and i think that's uh 
yeah, <laughs> that, watching him react to um, the overbearing, intense Peter Serafinowicz um, is going to just that, like, I can have a season of that. I'm up for a season of that. <laughs> so we'll see what, what the rest of the season brings. But I'm excited about it. Next up is Fresh Off the Boat, the Magic Motor Inn. So this is a backdoor pilot. I did not know that this was happening. Yeah. So with Fresh Off the Boat uh, heading out, uh, 20th Century Fox decided to develop a spinoff, basically. Um, called the Magic Motor Inn, and this stars um, Bollywood uh, actress um, Prita Zinta, as well as the comedian Veer Das um, as a married couple that own a motel um, in Orlando. Uh, they have a daughter that went to school with Eddie off screen in elementary school. We don't talk about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. And in this episode, they basically introduce this family, this motel. And the fact that their daughter um, is dealing with the pressure of being wanting to be successful, American dream type stuff, immigration, all that kind of deal. But also the fact that she's just kind of naturally smart. And this concept that kind of comes through in this particular episode is the difference between putting in the effort and being just a natural talent. And the ways in which parents react to that, the way in which that creates different kinds of pressure for kids is all kind of explored in there. And I think it's a generally sort of a good soft introduction to these people um, and this family. And I think the episode and all the stuff at the motel is generally really good. There's a good montage of Eddie and um, Doss's um, who plays the dad um, going through and doing different sort of movie quotes on the motel sign, but with a motel spin, mm-hmm. um, which was really delightful and very, very silly. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm, I, I definitely would watch a like full pilot of this family because I think that there's a kind of a good deal of potential here. Um, so we'll see if that gets picked up. There hasn't been any word yet. And I imagine like ABC would probably like something along these lines, considering their comedy slates in a big moment of transition as a number of shows are wrapping up uh, this season. So they're probably looking for some stuff. So I imagine that this will be in the mix. Hopefully it will be in the mix anyway. Uh, so it's a good overall kind of uh, spinoff potential mini backdoor pilot um, that I'll keep an eye out for. Okay, good to know. And I, I mean, I'm behind on Fresh Off the Boat, uh, but maybe that's enough of a reason to kind of get me off my butt to finish, you know, getting caught up because the finale will be soon. There's not that many. Yeah, it'll left. be pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over on The Good Place, speaking of finales, we had Whenever You're Ready, which is the two part finale, which it really just plays like one episode. There does, There's not like an end of episode one and then start to episode two. So it just is like sort of an extra long episode. And this really connects to everything that we got in the the end of the last episode. I mean, the title is Whenever You're Ready. It's pretty clear what, what they're going for here. But I yeah. thought it was a fitting and appropriate end to the show. Um, there were some really fun moments. There was at least one incredibly moving and poignant moment that just like everyone watching is sobbing. And if you're not, I like Tin Man situation, you need to check your heart. Um, but on on the whole, I mean, it's really interesting to me because I thought it was, a, I thought it made make sense. It's, this is the finale you expect for The Good Place. And it was well executed. It's well acted. Um, it's just not all of that. It's not all that compelling 
for me. It's not wasn't that funny. I mean, because it's just like, yeah, this is what the finale should be. It makes sense. It fits. It's well done. It's more of like a dramedy kind of feel, um, which mm-hmm. is perfectly okay. It's just just my my relationship to the good place has really shifted over time because it started out as just this really really funny show and for me it hasn't been that in quite a long time and it's just been like a show i where i enjoy hanging out with the characters but um i'm not watching for it to be a comedy uh they make a point to get back to some philosophical conversations in this finale which i appreciate there's some shout outs to other moments there's a there's a absolutely lovely cameo where they bring in an actor just for a quick scene uh there's a couple of them actually um and yeah i think i think on the whole it works it just you know it's interesting because Kristen Bell has been making the rounds on, on talk shows and um, talking about how one of the things about the show is that, you know, it feels like it's ending too soon kind of thing, but that's also kind of appropriate for the show and leave people wanting more kind of situation. And I'm sitting there like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's ending too soon. <laughs> it feels like yeah. it's ending too late. Um, but just because there does, I mean, there isn't a sense of suspense. And this was a show that was so built on that suspense. And what are they going to do next? And what are they going to do next? And it hasn't been that for all of this year. Um, so I, all that considered, with those caveats out of the way, I do think it's well, well put together. I think it's, it has interesting things to say. I think it executes what it's going for very well. And I look forward to our conversation next week and to your thoughts once you've had a chance to see it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think it was, I think it works pretty well. And I'm curious what you, your thoughts were on Pat. Now that you've had a chance to catch up with that one, and like, <laughs> how perfect is Lisa Kudrow as <laughs> Hypatia? The Lisa Kudrow cameo is just delightful and really, really good. Um, no, I really liked Patty. Um, overall, I thought it was a good episode, and I like this concept of, yeah, no, the good place is just boring, and I like that as a concept because. For me, like, the joke has always been, when you're talking about Dante's Divine Comedy, Paradise is the worst part of that goddamn book. (laughs) It's just so boring. It doesn't mean anything. It's very dull. Um, Well, it means stuff, but it's just very dull and uninteresting compared to the journey through hell and the journey through purgatory. And so that kind of a carryover idea that yeah, no, Paradise is just kind of dull. I I, I liked that. Um, so the episode I think is generally fine, but it continues that trend of, but that's that's the joke is like it's dull. There's no other joke forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very much like, oh well, but okay, fine. And that was sort of where I ended up with it. Um, and even like this concept of all right the good place people truly are the worst people. Um, Like just the terrible, most terrible people in terms of just who they are and how they function. Um, And Schur's whole conceptual and how he's talked about them in interviews of just like, yeah, no, we got it, Michael. We get it. We get it. It's, it's, it's still not funny, but we get it. Uh (laughs) Get what you're going for. It's not that subtle. Yeah, no, it's not subtle, and it's also not funny. Um, do something else with them. Um, so, but yeah, the idea that Michael's just God yeah, um, is also funny, but it's just, it just, it felt like it wasn't going anywhere um, as like a joke. And so while I liked the whole overall premise of it, I was just like, oh, well, at least fixing this was a lot easier, at least based on Patty of like, well, fixing the good place was easy. 
it was everything else that was a pain. Um, even though, and we didn't really talk about this, the fact that they just kind of just did, what if we put purgatory and reincarnation together, but reincarnation with a little bit of memory of what you did before? Mm-hmm. And it just went, but you didn't cite your work. None of you <laughs> cited your work. Someone else is doing this. You just didn't cite your work. It was also just like one of those things of like, oh, yeah, but you, someone did this. So I generally agree with you that the show has stopped kind of being funny apart from like little delightful bits. So we'll see how um, the finale plays out when I get a chance to watch it. And I'm looking forward to discussing it, but I'm just like, I'm being really restrained in my excitement and in my desire, my, my desire to watch it is lower than it is my desire to watch the evil finale, which is very, very high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, more on that in a little bit, but first I want to know your thoughts on Star Trek Picard. Uh, last yeah. week we had the premiere and I think it was remembrances and this week is yes. maps and legends. So, so what did you think? So I really, really, really liked the premiere. I thought it was really good. I thought that like the opening scene got me just misty enough, which was really appropriate. And also the fact that I made my partner watch Nemesis. Uh, <laughs> I was enjoying we... the tweeting on that. Where it was like, hey, his joke, I've already seen it. I know what I'm yeah, getting yeah. into. I was just went, oh, no, because I actually haven't watched this. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew it was bad. But then it like played into the premiere, which is not what I expected to a certain degree, uh, to which I went, ha ha, see? It was my plan all along. No, so I really like the premiere. Um, I just, I really enjoy Alison Pill being in a Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's just really delightful. And she's very good in the second episode as well. Um, so I'm really, I'm really eager to see what they're doing going forward with, based on that premiere is very good. The second episode is a whole lot of fine. Um, it's really heavy on the exposition because one of the really nice things I think about the first episode is that there's very little exposition. Um, in part because there's not space for it because we've got this whole thing happening. And then the second episode is a lot of exposition about Romulan secret forces and plots and double plots Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff that I just go, oh, well, none of this is being handled elegantly at all. But it's all kind of fine because they have a number of really good actors in place. Like, you've got Patrick Stewart. You're good. You're set up. Any scene with him is solid. Um, Peyton List shows up um, for her first episode, and she's really, really good. Um, I didn't get to see her in Gotham at all because I checked out by then. But I really liked her in The Tomorrow People. So I'm glad that she's getting some work here because I also did not watch the Frequency remake that she was in. Um, remember when she did a Frequency remake? I do remember when she did a Frequency. <laughs> I thought she was good. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I really like her and she's very good here. Uh, the role that they give her is just delicious. But it's a very kind of like plot forward type of episode of, all right, we got to... We gotta, we gotta get gears into motion now type of thing. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So Maps and Legends is not nearly as exciting or as necessarily compelling as uh, Remembrances is, but it has to do a lot of plot work. Um, one thing that I will say, and I will say this in part because A, he gets mentioned in the premiere, but B, he gets mentioned a lot in the second episode, um, is I hope 
and hope and hope and hope very deeply that Maddox, Bruce Maddox, comes back at some point in this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got and it. And his very punchable face. <laughs> um, nothing against that man who's still alive and teaches, like, acting at a California university. But his face is, his smarmy face in Measure of a Man is just so punchable. And I want it back, Kate. I need it back. <laughs> um, because they actually talk a good bit about Maddox in this second episode. Um and where he is, and also how the fact that no one has seen him for a while. Hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, oh, gosh, I hope he comes back, because I just want to punch him in the face some more, because he's <laughs> just got the most punchable face. I don't care if him, he and Data ended up getting along. I just, I don't care. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Maddox <laughs> is just the worst. Um, but also, everyone should go rewatch Measure of Man, because it's a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, I'm I'm interested. Then I will. I I was seeing a more tepid response to the second episode, so that's why I didn't feel the need to like rush out yeah. to watch it. Um, and I was like, mm, I'll actually watch some early Arrow and fill in some gaps. So that when we yeah. talk with Allison, I have something to. It, I don't just go. And we all know the first season's terrible, right? I mean, I haven't watched it the first because it's <laughs> decent. It is not. It's that's exactly. It's not terrible. <laughs> now that yeah. I've seen it, I'm like, oh, actually, you know what's perfectly fine. It takes. It's yeah. finding its legs, but it's perfectly yeah. fine. No. And Barrowman's having a blast. Oh, so much fun! Remake of that. Anyway, yeah. But, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, so so yeah, so so I will get to Picard. I'm certain, but uh, for right now, I, I'm glad to get some context from what I was kind of hearing about it, yeah. and that makes sense. It makes sense that we'd have a like the really set the tone in the first episode, get you on board, and then, like, kind of get through some plot churning. Yeah. It's a lot of plot churning. So that we can just get a, get to where we need to go. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. Speaking of getting where we need to go, we had the evil finale, book 27, and <sighs> we will talk about this next week, Noel. Yeah. Um, a bunch of stuff happens. I mean, it's not like it... Things don't just keep happening, but like I was about to say, that's just an episode of Evil Kate. <laughs> yeah, no, but like there is some. There's, I, th- I, th- I feel like it's a really strong finale. Okay. Um, it's not like there aren't a bunch of like twists and reveals the way that you might expect for a show like this. Yeah, but I don't expect that from the Kings though. Like, exactly, that's not their bag. That's not what they do. But there's, um, there's, I look forward to our conversation about it because I'm not sure what happened. At a few points, um, okay. and yeah, they have they're they're very clearly leave. They they have cut out certain scenes. <laughs> they have not shown us them so that they can show them to us in season two or you know at some point. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. like, there's information that we don't have that some of the characters do have. Okay. And there's interpret. You know, there's some more things that are left to be interpreted, okay. and uh, I think it's very intriguing. Um, it's okay. the kind of it's the kind of finale you can only do if you know you're getting renewed. <laughs> so like, yeah. they're very confident they're getting renewed, so they weren't worried about that, and so they can. Yeah, they don't. It's not so much cliffhangers so much as they don't feel the need to explain everything, which is mm-hmm. always almost almost always more entertaining um, yeah. and more and more effective storytelling. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to your thoughts because I can't really say much okay. more. Certain things come together and loop back together in a way that I think is satisfying and successful. And uh, there are some some threads that present themselves that were not 
clear until the finale in a satisfying way. So, yeah, we'll see. I expected certain other things to come back that didn't, like cast members and some other things. So that's a little interesting. I don't know if it's like they were finding what they wanted to do early on and they decided to move away from those those beats or those characters um, or just that they're holding them till season two. But um, so what you're saying is Christine Lottie is not in this clearly. Yeah, no, no that's <laughs> not what I'm saying at all. Um, but like, you know, I can say, I can say, yeah, like the, the, some of the, the hierarchy at the church mm-hmm. is not there that I would have expected to be oh. there. Okay. You know, so like Scolari is Scolari not in this? No, Scolari's like- not. I don't think he's in it, unless I missed him. I don't think he's in it. Like they have to, they go get a, a, a exorcist to do an exorcism. Um, is it a different one than they've been using? Yeah. Oh, so, that's weird. Yeah, that's like things like that where it's like a little. I mean, maybe I'm just I forgot a cast member yeah. or something. Maybe maybe they did have this actor there before or this character there before, and I'm just not remembering it. Mm-hmm. So I, I look forward to talking about it with you. So there's a few things like that where it's like. It seems okay. a little strange, but maybe yeah. the actor wasn't available or, you know, yeah. things happen. And that happens. So, yeah, yeah. But anyways, it was it was a strong finale. Well, speaking of information that people don't have, <laughs> I actually wanted to, like, make our listeners aware of Michael Emerson's interview with Vulture. <laughs> oh, I don't even know about this. What I do- oh, yes, yes, I do know about this. Yes. yes. Please continue. Right. So one of the things that, like, I since I was not caught up last week of, yeah, no, that scene with Kristen and Leland is amazing yeah um, and then the scene right after it yeah ah, the i love no. when shows do that and we're gonna talk about doctor who soon but we're like because yeah. we i we had all told you no listeners we'd all told no oh there's this one scene it's so amazing and you're just like ah oh, the kings and then you're watching the episode and you think it's the Kristen and leland scene because yeah. it is a great scene and it's so great and then the very next scene you're like holy shit that's the scene they meant <laughs> It's so fun. But that Kristen Leland scene, uh, accidentally, uh, based on true. Uh, yeah, based on Michael Emerson's life, except he didn't tell the Kings about the, anything about himself. Yeah, he regarding- was actually in like marching band in Iowa yeah. and yeah. like carrying around his nerdy instruments and everything. And yeah. yeah, so I liked your tweet about this. Yes, no, that the Carrie Preston one hundred percent told the Kings about this. Yes, no, that is that is almost certainly what happened. <laughs> I will not accept anything else. Um, that is just that's delightful. No, the previous episode. So it was really, really good and deeply unsettling, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then, you know, that final shot is just shows so weird, Kate. Well, I love that they're like, should we be that he is just a man and he's pathetic and he's a psychopath yeah. who's taking on these delusions of greater, or should we be that he is actually a demon or a devil? We can be both. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I like the idea that it's. Sort of both, but it's also mostly, nah, he's just a dude who's having therapy with Satan. (laughs) And it's just, yes, no, this is the correct choice. And it also allowed a lot of the MRA stuff to really Mm -hmm. kind of click into place from like a few episodes ago. But I was just like, this show's so weird. And I don't understand why we can't put the good fight on CBS now, because clearly they're getting away with this nonsense. Mm, well, <laughs> No, the political stuff is the reason why the, the good fight's yeah. on CBS All Access. Let's be very clear. <laughs> the other thing that I really appreciated seeing in some of the post-finale, like, 
interviews and things is yeah. uh, some of the, the kings talking with um, some interviews with the kings talking about how they felt like they really underserved Ben and Monvi this yes. season. So they're going to bring him more to the fore next season. I was like, Good. Yes. yay, more Ben the Magnificent because he is awesome. That is the correct takeaway from this season is that Ben needs more to do. Yeah. And also stop beating up my culture because Jesus. <laughs> do you want to share your thoughts about that episode? Because we, we, you didn't get a chance to talk about it. He has a no. bad day. He just has, the, like, a terrible month. Like, I don't know how much the time frame is between the, the getting beaten up and in the hospital and then yeah, Stabbed in the hospital, tortured in the hospital, and then yeah. then kicked down the stairs and maybe going to be killed. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, David's just having just the worst month. Um, He's way too chill in the finale for all, for all those things having happened recently. Okay. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but I will say that a friend of mine uh, caught up and watched the previous episode and she texted me and she left out a very important comma okay. in her message. And it was, Jesus, stop torturing David. And I just went, Jesus is not torturing David. <laughs> <laughs> or is he? Mm. Yeah, or is he? Mm. Maybe you should just do more magic tea, David. <laughs> Does he do more magic tea in the finale? I'm not going to say anything about that. Okay. You're going to watch the finale. Um, yeah. But for now, let's move on to a finale we can both talk about, which is yes. the emergence finale, Kill Shot Part 2. So first, because we couldn't talk about it last week, right. thoughts on the part one of the of Kill Shot and the fake out with Ember Gyokaj, uh, Agent something? Brooks. Ryan, right? I want to say his first name is Ryan, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, I mean- anyways. They don't use each other's last first names. No, so that's true. I just know it's just Brooks. Brooks. Thoughts on that and about all all the 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 super steamy smooching and the fact that they decided to to really go all in on on the two of them for the finale. Um, I really liked Kill Shot Part One. Um, um, yeah, and my thing is is like it's a little fuzzy in my brain because of Kill Shot Part Two. I freely mm-hmm. acknowledge, um, but. Yeah, I think this is just a really good kind of one-two punch of a finale um, and of a series finale because there's no way this is getting a second season. It'll be a small miracle if it gets a second season. Mm-hmm. Um, even Allison Tolman is like, we're hoping against hope, fingers crossed. Tiny ratings, season. guys. Like, it got crazy ex-girlfriend ratings is what we're, yeah. like, we're saying here. And yeah, this is not on the CW. Yeah. So that is that is not going to be enough mm-hmm. um, to get them anywhere. Um. And it is Ryan Brooks, you are correct. So, it's just good. Like, it's very silly. There's a lot of, like, solid stuff that still feels like emergence in it. From Joe just kind of watching Brooks bang on a pipe, <laughs> looking at him like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing here? Did um, you see the tweet that Tolman put out? <laughs> but every time, very strong. <laughs> every time you hit the picture, you look very strong. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a good scene partner. I'm a good scene partner. Yeah. I'm there. I'm there. But also me. just like, you're being very dramatic. It's not like you're going off to war. It's such a good line. <laughs> it's not like I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> yeah. So generally, I think that the best thing about this emergence finale is, A, the fact that it's genuinely kind of scary um, by getting them locked into this USDA testing facility, which is also just doing a USDA testing facility is delicious um but also just this whole concept of all right she's nanobites now nanobots now it's just like oh 
that means that she can just do anything. But the fact that she can do anything and then they just always reform her as like full, like muscular, skeletal, then eyeball socket stuff. And it's just like, oh, you didn't need to do that. But it just ups the creep factor a lot. <laughs> it makes it thank super you. creepy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for that. Um, it's just generally really good. Um, it's very silly. Um, it's such a good use of um, Curry Graham. Like, mm-hmm. just, I appreciate them just being like, all right, who did we like from Agent Carter? Let's bring all of them back. <laughs> <laughs> Not Chad, no Chad, just stay over there. Stay there, Chad. <laughs> um, so Curry Graham's really good. Um, no, it's just good. It's kind of ridiculous, the ending, but also I like that Helen gets exactly what she wants at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. <laughs> She gets exactly what she wants. I saw some people complaining about that a little bit online or talking about how, like, it's ridiculous that she would know that the, all these things happen. And I don't think that's what happens at all. I think what she thought that the kill shot would work and uh-huh. then it didn't. But because it didn't, she knows about how to trace that one enzyme that no one else in the world has. And uh-huh. and she put the pieces together. It was yeah. a lucky happenstance for her yeah. um, because, you know, of how things played out. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really fun and really strong and compelling and uh, very grounded for all these ridiculous things that are happening. Like, still, kind of like, I don't understand the big energy blob type thing but mm-hmm. by the end i was also just like oh i'm not supposed to care yeah okay i yeah. can roll with this we don't need to care that works out <laughs> yeah. great yeah. um the only quibble i had with it is that i thought that the alex and ryan stuff was a bit too on the nose and stupid. yeah yeah and too like immediately like testosterone yes um, yeah no i didn't that's it's easily the worst part of the whole episode because yeah. it's just like this is not Alex at yeah. all. Like it might where did be this Ryan. Guy come from? It is definitely not Alex. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, especially given how like he behaves and how he responds to everything mm-hmm. when he's leaving. Yeah. Um. In the last little bit of the episode, it's just like no, him suddenly getting into a pissing contest with an FBI agent is not that character. No, he's more confident than that. Yeah. Even when he's insecure, he's more confident yeah. than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Other than that, though, I did really like a lot about this. Uh, I mean, I would love if it got renewed. And I was... <laughs> I love that of all the characters, Benny's the one we're going to kill off. I was so worried for Chris. I'm like, you you don't harm one beautiful hair on his beautiful head. Chris is awesome. You do not bring around around your, like, second-in-command so that he can get killed off to show how serious things are. And then you can hire Ryan to be your new second-in-command for next season or whatever yeah. if he gets fired by the FBI. Um, like, no. Chris is awesome. He deserves better. And then he does. Nothing happens. <laughs> He's just right. there to be another helpful person, which is great. And it would have been terrible if they killed him because also here's the other thing of like, Joe's not a very good boss. <laughs> <laughs> like yelling at him for coming to save you is not appropriate response to mm-hmm. you left me in charge. <laughs> I made a decision yeah. because you left. Yeah. Um, you said I needed to trust my instincts. That's why I'm here. You don't get to yell at me for doing that. <laughs> right. And that's kind of like one of the other things I do like about this show and is that people stand up to Joe and Joe kind Joe acknowledges and respects when they're doing it in a way that she can go, Oh yeah, no. Okay, this is on me. And 
it kind of like goes back to a degree of well not as well executed as like elementary but there are adults behaving in adult ways and talking Mm -hmm. to one another in adult ways that i'm just i respond to really really nicely again it's not at elementary levels but that whole scene with them having alex and joe having a conversation about what is what what do we need from each other what do i need and what do you need and just the tension of that i just it worked really well um but getting to that point um how do you feel given the fact that about all of that given the fact that we still don't know why they got divorced yeah well i just think (sighs) and we will probably never we will never know (laughs) yeah it just it's so confusing to me because I kept waiting for there to be some reason, and there isn't. There aren't, or at least there isn't one given. Um, and they don't like. I was still because these are good actors, and the writing is good, and everything in the in the scene, the individual scene. Like I don't care. I'm on board with that scene. It's a beautiful scene. It's very well done. Very well played. Um, but I'm just seeing them like you have like you've only shown reasons why both of these people are awesome and are great. You have not shown any scenes of them fighting or doing anything that is not completely reasonable considering everything that's been going on and and mostly just being there for each other, supporting each other even through some really craziness, real craziness and legit danger for themselves and their kid. Um and clearly there's still feelings here, but there's no reason given why they didn't work. You know, like, and, and yeah. neither one of them is fighting for them get to get back together. So clearly they know, like, Alex wants to get back together with, yes. with Joe, but he's not pushing it. He's respecting her choice, clearly, to end things, which is another reason to like him. And And it's just like, it's so confusing to me. Like, it might be more honest and more real. That just why you don't sit around talking with if you interact with your exes in a positive way, you don't sit around talking about the reasons that you guys broke up and were toxic with each other. Like that's not a thing that people do. But to not to to center so much of that chemistry and energy on that and then not have there be any sort of reason that we can hold on to for why they aren't together is really strange. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about this in the regards of I'm I'm more okay with it than you are. Yeah. Um, because no, people don't even amicably, you kind of don't discuss that kind of stuff unless you're about to engage it. Um, in a way of like, all right, we need to we need to we need to have another conversation about this because I've actually had that kind of a conversation before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things that's A, really tricky to navigate, but B, you just don't necessarily have to. Because that's not how people talk, really. And it's one of those, like, again, that push and pull of dramatic character stuff versus verisimilitude. Um, Which, like, going back to something like Picard, where uh, there's just a lot of explaining for the audience in this this week's episode. Because we didn't do any last week. (laughs) Um, That is... Like, it feels really kind of clunky sometimes. And that, I think, is still, like, one of the emergence strengths is, like, we're not going to give you a lot of unnecessary stuff. We also trust both of these actors to make this work. Yeah, Um, and they do. And they do, so. Yeah. 
Anyways, we will let you know, listeners, if anything happens, if there's any news on Emergence. I would love for it to get a season two. I'm sure you would as well, Noel. Uh, neither of us is anticipating it, um, so we will see what happens. But uh, if it if it is if if it is canceled, um, I think you know they can feel good about this season. It's told a pretty much a complete story, and did it I think really well. I, I was I, I was very surprised. Very pleasantly surprised by emergence this year. Yeah, no, it's it was really like the surprise. Oh, this is really good show of the 2019-2020 season. Like, there's no way to have expected a show with that kind of marketing and that kind of a premiere, no less. Really, mm-hmm. uh, being like, oh no, this was very good and very fun and just kind of perfect, sort of like hot cocoa esque type of television. Plus, I mean. It's such a good Alison Tolman vehicle. Yeah. It's just a stupidly good Alison Tolman vehicle in a way I feel like no other program has been for her. Yeah. Yeah, I need... Well, I mean, like, I just need Brooks and... and Well, Alison Tolman. To, I, I need Brooks and Joe to be, like, having bantery uh, adventures with Simmering UST, yeah. like... Every week, please. Can that happen? I, I I want that to please be in my TV, in in, in my brain, in my eyes. Um, and then like just like the the energy with all of the cast, they just did such a great job with with their ensemble and like really creating in one season and just even only we were remarking on it after about like five episodes or so. Yeah, really quickly creating a a. a group of characters that you just wanted to spend time with. And that, I mean, mm-hmm. that very much comes from the top down and that's from yep. Tolman, the, the, the energy that she must've created on set um, to, to really lead that ensemble. So yeah, well, fingers crossed though, not very hopefully for emergence. Let's move on to Supergirl back from the future part one, which we have in here just because I was only, you know, we talked about last week. I was not all that excited for this one, um, but I was very pleasantly surprised to find we were getting both wins as, oh gosh, it was delightful. As friend of the show, Caroline Sita said at the AV club, it is a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, it is a literal win-win. Yeah. Um, so I really actually had a lot of fun with this and I, and I continue to like what it's showing for what this back, or this next, not this back part of the season, but this next part of the season is going to be, which is, means very brainy-centric, really exploring that character, giving that actor more, more to do. And in this case, very much in, like having fun with when touching back, you know, like with where the characters were, where they are, and what comes next. I liked the setup of the tower. I thought they're like, I thought maybe the tower, they're like, yeah, it's really cool. This is so cool, guys. We have a secret bunker. Only, only it's a tower because we have to have the balcony of heavy conversations, right? Um, so it was super fun. I, 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 I thought this was this greatly exceeded my expectations. I thought it was a pretty solid episode. It is, and I know like a big knock against it is that Jeremy Jordan does not sing. So mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah. you've got at least two more episodes, maybe, where there's room for that to for them to go to karaoke. Mm-hmm. Even though Wynn doesn't do karaoke, if I yeah. remember correctly. No, he However. doesn't. <laughs> well, and they've, they've very much ended that. Instead, they do the game night thing instead. Yeah. But, yeah. What did, what did you think of the, what's his face? The other reporter guy, the love interest guy that nobody William. cares about, getting the invite to game night? No. No. He does not deserve that. Yeah. No. He had, first of all, it's. Nothing with the actor, but just like there's nothing there. There's this nothing there. There's, there's nothing there. This, this, I, I can just see this actor kind of floundering with, 
I'm I'm just stuck playing reporter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's not a character. There's just like an archetypal sort of thing here of reporter. And it's not good. It's not interesting. And a lot of Kara's motivations here are just because he doesn't remember anything from the crisis and the shift and everything. And it's just like, none of this is good. And there's no chemistry between these characters. And I'm really annoyed by the preview really playing up like a romance angle for the two of them for next, Mm -hmm. for this uh, Sunday's episode. I'm just like, no, no, just no. Because also the answer is either Lena and Kara or Kate and Kara now, Mm -hmm. apparently. Um, (laughs) That it's just no, just no. Why so they keep insisting on making these really bland and uninteresting love interests for her. I don't I mean, know. And again, we don't know nothing against Chris Wood. He did actually really well. I was very impressed with his work as Monel, yeah. considering what the little they gave him to work with. But it's like, again, it's the same thing here. From the time they introduced William, it was clear that that's what they were looking to do, or at least to maybe they're going to subvert expectations with it. But yeah. he's there to be. To, to allow more scenes in uh, Catco and yes. to be a love interest. And yes. he's just nothing else. There isn't a person there the yeah. way that there is at, for all of the other characters. I mean, I think even, um, oh my goodness, James's sister, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, Kelly. Yes. Even Kelly has managed to make more of a specific character out of what, you know, the very, very little they've, they've given her, <sighs> the her almost nothing. nothing they've given her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just there's oh, I don't like it. Don't like yeah. it. Any other thoughts on this episode? Uh, do you like the tower? Do you like the call signs? I do. I love the call signs a lot. Like it's very goofy, but I like the call signs a lot. But the other thing I like about it is that it's just completely unfinished. Like mm-hmm. it's cool, but it's also completely unfinished. And I really, really like that. Um, but like you were saying, with like the balcony be important tarks, it's just like, well, we can't have these at the DEO balcony anymore because Lex Luthor owns that balcony. So we need to have another balcony somewhere else. And it's just like, I see you, writers, and I like you. Mm-hmm. I like you for this, writers. This is we're good. On we're, we're, we're on the same page here. Yeah. And Jimmy Jordan getting to play like deranged evil, like is really fun like Mm -hmm. i was a little worried about it but in terms of just like i don't know that i need this but then i was like no i kind of need this and i need him talking back to lex luther apparently because also oh yeah no that's a weird name all right so it's the guy whose name is lex luther um it's just like uh that's that's good that's kind of all i needed okay we're good we're good. We're good. Yeah. Well, we'll see what it comes uh, next on part two and, and even after that. But uh, for now, I think we've put it off long enough. It's time to talk Doctor Who, Fugitive of the Jadoon. And Noel? Yeah, Kate. Oh, my God. Like, so, listeners. <laughs> go ahead. I texted Kate um, after my partner I had watched Doctor Who. And I just went, have you watched Doctor Who yet? And she just, and she hadn't because she was busy. And she was I, like, I no, was but I'll... All day. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll make it. I'll make it a priority. And then I get a text from Kate about the big cameo appearance, and I'm and I don't reply to that big text about the cameo appearance. I believe my text was three heart eyes emojis. How yes. the hell did they keep this secret? Right, heart, heart, heart. Oh my god, something like that. Right, yeah. and I knew that, and I knew what she was talking about, and then I just went, yeah. In my brain, I'm like, that is not what I was talking about when I texted you. <laughs> Yeah, and then I waited another like forty minutes for it to like get around to. Wait, what? So, Kate, why don't you tell us about both of these things a little bit as the show's actual Whovian? 
as opposed to the guy who completely forgot about the episode in which they did this kind of already and his partner had to remind him about it. (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. I'm actually, I want you to go first because once I start, because if I'm going to gush. Okay. uh, Because I really like this episode and I like a lot of the things it does and says and and could be. Um, So, and then, then I, I imagine you will have a much more measured response to it. And so I look forward rather than me gushing and then, and then a bit of a (laughs) back down to earth response from Noel, um, which is probably the more standard response. Uh, Let's do it the other way around. But I will say that because of course this airs on Sundays, I teach for like 12 hours on Sundays. So I don't get home until like, I probably like I, because of your text, because I was planning to watch, um, I think Batgirl first, Batwoman, sorry, first, because of the, the like, the cliffhanger. And because oh. of your text, I was like, oh, no, okay, I should watch Doctor Who first. Um, and, yeah, I think you texted me like, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to your take on this. And I was yeah. like, okay, interesting. And... I managed to not get spoiled or anything by Twitter. I pretty much stayed off of Twitter, um, not actively, but just happenstance-wise. I didn't get home till like, 10. And yeah. so it's already aired at, like, 8 or something, uh, 7 or 8. And and I start it. I get to the cameo, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, guys. Oh, my God. This is... How is this... How did they... Oh, this is insane. This is amazing. Like, so basically what I did is I watched the episode, Noel, and then I did what all right-thinking rational Whovians do, which is I went immediately... Well, I went to Twitter and I told Allison and Caroline and uh, Alistair I needed a debating Doctor Who immediately. Thank you very much. And they were actually yeah. already recording when I texted them. <laughs> so it was great. Um, and then I went immediately to YouTube to look up reaction videos because I okay. needed to watch other people watch what I had just watched and have the exact same reaction reaction that I had just had because everybody else I know who watches Doctor Who was asleep except for yeah. you because you are on the other coast. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So I liked it a lot. I'm very excited and I have lots of thoughts. Um, as someone who has a more uh, straightforward connection to Doctor Who in that you just watch it sometimes, what did you think of this episode? No, I think it's a very good episode. I think it's really delightful. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they're like again like my partner had to remind me about the time that they sort of did this premise already yeah. um of which, a time lord put, right. using the chameleon arch to capture their essence into the body of like transform the entire body it's a very painful process and this yeah. was the 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 um tenant two-parter family of blood uh yeah. two-parter and which was of course based on one of the 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 novels novelizations from i think it was the new voyages novelizations um while the show was off the air um yeah. initially yeah so very well uh beloved uh two-parter from season three of the new season, new series. Yeah, to which my brain went, oh, right, that is something that happened. I completely forgot about that. And because... then happened again with the master, with Yana. Oh, did it? Well, see, I didn't even know that. Well, there yes. you go. Derek Jacobi, um, yeah, was secretly the master for a whole episode. Oh, right. That is what happened with the Derek Jacobi's. I forgot about that, too. See? Okay. All right. <laughs> Never mind. So... <laughs> Yeah, see, this is why I wanted your take on it and not mine, because I don't remember any of this. Um, but you still I'm... enjoyed it, despite not, like, so right. much shows that it works. Right. And, I mean, I think that there's a lot of good stuff here from the sheer amount of time we spend with in Gloucester until the Jadoon show up. And even then, after the Jadoon show up, we're still spending a lot of time in Gloucester. Um, Did you remember to... the Jadoon? Huh? Did you remember the Jadoon? Because yes, they, they were in remember. that one episode with Martha, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally remember. I 
I will not forget Giants Rhino Space Cops. Like, I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> okay, I remember okay. that. Um, we did initially, like in the previews, think that they were the Sartarans or the mm. potato head looking guys. Yeah. Um, but then it was just like, oh, no, they're the Rhino Cops. Right. Got mm. it. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, so, like, establishing all of that I thought was really, really effective. And also playing up the shifty nature of what's his name. And, oh, my God. And that cake. The cake of shade. The cake. The cake is so good, like, legitimately, <laughs> like, in any other episode, the cake would be the best part of it, uh-huh. and yet somehow it's still, like, the third or fourth best thing in the episode because of everything else they do. Yeah. Um. So all of that is really, really good, and I think it uh, provides them plenty of room to both make the Captain Jack stuff work really, really well, but then make the thing at the end with, oh, yeah, no. She's a doctor. Also work really, really well because we've established all this other stuff um, for the lived lives and all this kind of stuff. It's like, and then everything kind of clicks into place, but not in a see how clever we are, Moffaty sort of way. Just ding, in ding, a, ding. and that's the thing about the episode is that like it doesn't feel like a puzzle box type of thing. It feels just like a puzzle that gets pieced together, as opposed to hey, we did all these clues. You didn't pick up on any of them. And it's just like, no, you you just, you left the clues and then we just thought they were innocuous because you did a really good red herring. You just did a very solid red herring. And I think that that's kind of like, really for me, like the best thing is like, it's a solid enough red herring that you just go, wait, you still have like 30 minutes left. What are you doing? And then it's just like, we're doing this motherfuckers. And it's really <laughs> impressive. It's really fun. Um, so I really enjoyed it. The Jack stuff is really, really delightful. And the way that he just keeps screwing up with the scoop thing. Um, but also his sheer delight at meeting all three of these companions for me is like the best thing about those sequences of like his initial assumption that Graham's the doctor and then just all sorts of that kind of stuff spilling out. And then just the fact of, oh, I want to do all of this. And it's just like, oh, I missed you. You, you sweet, sweet man. Um, <laughs> so all of that, plus like his big warning about the Cybermen, which of course naturally made me very excited because as you know, and listeners know, I really love the Cybermen um, much more than like most of the other like large scale who villains. So I'm just like, yes, yes, please give me more of this. Um, but then just all the stuff with the doctor and the doctor and then that other Gallifreyan um, mm-hmm. who yeah. is also... Gat, yeah. I think is also just really, really good. And the degrees that we're able to really appreciate, like, the differences between Joe Martin's doctor and Jodie Whittaker's doctor and the different spots of how they kind of, like, exist, basically, um, in terms of, not even in terms of attitude, but just in terms of approaches and philosophies of how we're going to handle this, I think speaks to really how well they've established Jodie Whittaker's doctor, that we can do this foil really cleanly, really clearly and ratchet up the tension in really, really good ways, I think. Um, So I really liked all of that. Um, And I, this is also where I say I like Joe Martin's TARDIS interior a lot more than Jodie Whittaker's interior. Um, More of a classic who guy. I get it. That's cool. I guess, yeah. I guess, I guess. I don't, 
I don't know what that <laughs> means, but I just, I really liked how clean it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the little circles and everything on the wall. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like back to the fir- very first doctor. And oh, so, okay. yeah, like that's classic, classic okay. TARDIS. And okay. th- that was definitely a design choice. First of all, right. to tell us something about this doctor, but also very specifically so that we believe her and we don't right. think it's a trick because okay. like, oh no, this is definitely like, cause if you, if you just like jumped into the, like the 10th doctor's TARDIS, um, or the ninth doctor's TARDIS without, um, like the context of the show, if, if that character just showed up and we went to their TARDIS, they're like, see, look at the TARDIS. You'd be like, this is a bunch of coral. This is not what, like, I, okay, you say it's the TARDIS, but I don't know if I believe you. You go to this TARDIS, you're like, that's the TARDIS. That okay. is definitely the TARDIS. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's from a classic Who viewer, you know, perspective. Obviously, like, you don't have that context for it, but right. hey, it's a cool design, right? No, it is a cool design. And, like, to your point, like, it does feel like a TARDIS in a lot of ways. Like, it just does. It has, like, a, that kind of innate sense of being a TARDIS, even without the historical um, knowledge to it. So I really, really liked it. I'm really curious about how it works um like my partner saw a twitter a tweet about it like somehow maybe being similar akin to john hurt's war doctor in some way shape or form um which will be interesting that is like that's the proper name for him right is the war doctor, the war doctor yeah okay yeah. just making sure because in my brain he's just the john hurt doctor but i know i felt like it was the war doctor anyway mm-hmm. um so all of that, and then just how it's going to work, how it ties into sort of the destruction of Gallifrey, and then the 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 redestruction of Gallifrey, and then the unborn child, and all this sort of stuff is like I'm actually genuinely sort of interested in their arc, their plot for this season um, in a way that I just kind of wasn't anticipating after the Master episode, mm-hmm. um, but just all this kind of really fast build up of no all this stuff is coalescing around me that means something something's happening and i really like that of like no all these people from my past are coming back that's a problem oh something's wrong but also the amount of tension that this now brings and amps up with the companions of yeah no we've we've met jack also you have some explaining to do about all of this please do it now and how that's like the ways in which that doctor needs to now sort of can't dodge those questions anymore to a certain degree. I'm also, that is legitimately what I am most excited about because I really love these companions a lot and I really like their relationship with the doctor. Um, like they're just really good and the energy and everything. And I'm just going to stop rambling in a minute, but (laughs) it's just, it's very good. And like, having them get introduced to Jack this way and then provide them a way to also now, we know stuff. You need to explain it because we've met this guy who is very attractive and very swashbuckling, but also is just delighted by us. Please explain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, what was your reaction when Jack popped up? Had you been spoiled or anything? No, like we did not know either. Yeah. Um, no, because, like, typically we watch Doctor Who, like, on Mondays, but we just had time to watch it on Sunday night. And BBC America is one of those cable channels that doesn't care what time zone you're in. Mm-hmm. So for us, Doctor Who airs when it airs in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just watched it, um, like, before we went to bed on Sunday. Um, and we're just like, oh, 
that was really good. No, we were both like tickled to death. Um, mm-hmm. My partner also pointed out they're lighting Barrowman really well uh, <laughs> to hide the fact that he's Barrowman age now because uh, mm-hmm. he still kind of looks like Jack age from like yeah. well before. Yeah, um, it's really impressive. So we were both just like delighted and thrilled um, by his sudden reappearance and the fact that oh, that's why they were getting beamed aboard. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course he stole a ship. Of course he did. <laughs> well, because they had to film in a closed set, right? So that it uh-huh. would not leak. The fact that, okay, so the fact that it didn't leak. People were, were impressed by the Ezra Miller cameo not leaking. Yeah. Um, For Crisis. The fact that this didn't leak is insane to me. And like, yeah. they're like, or the Lucifer cameo in Crisis as well. Like, people kind of piece that together. Like, why would you be in in Vancouver? Right while this is filming, so like, did you did you hear about how they got around this for Bearman? I did not. Please just tell me. Okay, he like did a whole fake renovation to his property in Cardiff, and like Instagram stories, he did not. like yes, like a whole thing. And he might have actually ended up doing some renovations anyways. But there was a whole disinformation campaign that he was actively involved in, mm-hmm. including on social media. Uh, to keep this secret. Uh, and he was there for two weeks. So mm-hmm. the filming we saw in this episode was like right. a day's worth. Maybe, maybe two. Uh, yeah. And he was there for two weeks. And the showrunners say that he's not going to be back this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he's not. And I would be... And like, and if he's not fair enough, I will take this because I love Captain Jack. I I absolutely love this. Uh, I will take it as better than nothing. Uh, but I need this. I need this doctor to, to see Jack, and I need Jack to see this doctor. I need it to happen. No, yeah. with every ounce of my of my hoofian being. Um, so it's very possible. But like, given how long he was in Cardiff, either he was trying to throw them all off the scent, or yeah. like just like or or just like you know, actually screw it. Let's actually do the renovation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or, or, and so then he, that's why he was there longer, or they filmed other things that will yeah. pop up at some point. Um, but no, okay, so I love this episode for a bunch of reasons. First of all, I am here for a romp with the Jadoon, a, a, a squadron of Jadoon by the moon, or like, or, or like a, a platoon of Jadoon by the moon. This platoon of Jadoon by the lagoon. They're like, it's really more of a stream. Shut up, I'm doing a thing. Come on, don't step on my bit. Like, I was going to have fun with this episode just from that. Like, getting to know Ruth and, like, this drama, this love triangle, like, on the side. Like, I was was on board from then. And then Jack shows up. And the way that they introduced him, it's he hasn't been on the show for 10 years, guys. 10 years. It's so long. And he's one of those characters that could pop up at any moment. In theory, right? And he lives forever, and it would make sense for him to pop up. And John Barrowman is more than game to come back. He has been trying to, you know, come back for quite a while. Um, so it's not about that. It's about if they want to do that, if they have the budget, if they, you know, these different things. Um, but it was so, I was like, it was so out of the realm of possibilities for me that when we hear his voice yeah. at first, I didn't even connect it. I was talking to one of my other uh, teacher friends who's a Whovian, who was, she's like, yeah, I same thing for me. I was like, it couldn't possibly be. She's like, I know that voice. How do I know that voice? And watching all the Doctor Who react videos that I did online after, because I like was buzzing after this finished. I couldn't sleep for several hours, which was not good because it was so late. (laughs) It's not your your fault. It is. Uh, I'm the one that made you compel me to watch it. No, 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 no. I would not have wanted to be spoiled, so it's all good. Yeah. But, like, watching Whovians across the world go, like, wait a second, 
oh my god wait i know that voice. is it jack how could is, is it jack and just like freak out oh so fun and that's exactly how it felt they really captured that it's like you watch it the second time and you're like instantly i know that voice the character is there right away it's so well performed and it's just immediately pure you know captain jack energy right from the start he's ha- like barrowman's having so much fun he loves that character he knows that character inside and out uh, he can do that all like in his sleep all yeah. <laughs> all day long. He can he can Captain Jack, um, and then so to so watch all the campaigns and wreck was really fun. Inside that, what might be a TARDIS? Maybe it looks kind of TARDISy. The the design, but the central exterior. console. Oh yeah, no! The ex- this, but the exterior can look like anything. Oh, that's true. That's for true. a TARDIS, anyway, go on. Anyways, the point being, um, it's super fun. It, it raises all sorts of questions for them. Um, and it's just like like they'll throw away a side's like oh I had a dream about this once <laughs> my my place there's no not even a bar come on who, who do you think I am like it's just it was such a pure adrenaline shot of Captain Jack Ness yes that was it was just exhilarating to watch it was just giggly fun to watch that um, and then the pivot at the end bringing back the Nana jeans was fun for him. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, is his very first episode features Nano Jeans in a big way. That's the Are You My Mummy season, uh, Ninth Doctor, first se- season of, of New Who episode, two-parter. Uh, the Doctor dances, um, but um, is the second one of the two. But point being, bringing back the Nano Jeans is fun, but then his immediate pivot to like, oh, you guys don't know what Cybermen are yet. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> like, and, and that... Again, it's this thing that the show's been playing with all season where the viewers are in the perspective of the Doctor. And here yeah. we are very much in Jack's perspective of like, and, and I thought Barrowman played that just right. The pivot to the seriousness of like the, the the adventure and the swashbuckling, like you said, to like shit just got real. Oh, yeah. no, we don't mess around about the Cybermen. It's really important. Like, you're going to find out it's going to be bad. Um, but you're, you know, you guys are up for it. The, the, just the fun and the love and the camaraderie that Jack immediately gives them because they're with the doctor. And if they're with the doctor, they must be cool. They must be good. You know, it's such a great contrast to the doctor and the doctor (laughs) because they always squabble with each other. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so that, so that gets me off of the Jack stuff other than I just loved it. And I can't like the reaction is like, oh, actually she. And then immediately, of course, the doctor correctly pronounced the, you know, sorry, Jack correctly pronounced the doctor for the rest of the episode, which is great. Um, but. That, that was just, it was so fun. It was hard to like focus on the rest of the episode. I, I kept going, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, there's also a thing happening. But come, come back to Jack. I, you kept waiting for the doctor to, to in, in, yes. reenact, or, like interact with Jack. Um, and so then you weren't, you were so thrown off of your game yes. as a viewer that when the reveal of, like, you could see like the, oh, you know, okay, this is going to be a Time Lord. Is it the Master? Is it the Ronnie, who's another Time Lord from uh, back in the day? Uh, is it, like, there are a bunch of different people it could be. And then and then the reveal of the TARDIS, and they're like, oh, okay, so future Doctor. And then they, they say they're the Doctor, um, and then it's revealed, oh, no. They both think the other one is the future doctor. So this is like memory erase doctor from the past, or it's parallel universe doctor, which is very possible. We already know there's a parallel universe 10th doctor, like half human, half doctor, gallivanting around with Rose um, in in the other coral dimension with her own TARDIS and everything. Um, Or something else, you know, completely different than that. And I mean, it could easily, this doctor could slot in after the second doctor and before the third doctor, because we didn't technically see the second doctor regenerate into the third doctor. Okay. Um, 
So, like, the, they could fit there. Uh, they could be somewhere in the Time War, right? We didn't technically, because they couldn't get Eccleston to come back, we didn't actually see the War Doctor turn into Eccleston. But with the what we see about this Doctor, that doesn't really make sense for it to be there in the timeline. So who knows what it is, but I thought the performance was terrific. You know I love the fact that there is a black woman doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. And just immediately, Martin's performance, that is immediately the doctor. That's yeah. obviously the doctor. And it's such a fun feeling. and such a fun energy. The outfit is so good. It's very good. I love those glasses, just the, like which allow her then to look down the glasses. It's like so first doctor. It's great. Oh, I love it. Um, there's there's so many little little elements. Oh, that's to- sweet. I'm all rainbows. He's like, how do I mean, trousers that don't reach? What is this? This is like, how did I become you? Because that's sad. Which is exactly the kind of thing. Like, I saw some people who were frustrated that. There's finally two women doctors, and they're squabbling with each other and bickering. And I was like, yeah, but they always do that. That's what the yeah, doctor no, that's does. that's how the doctors operate when they meet other doctors, with the exception of like Tennant and Tennant and Six. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's only because Tennant's favorite doctor because, yeah. was Six, and 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 you know so much that he married his daughter. Um, but uh, the obviously that's not why they you always know what I mean. Um, anyways, the point being, um, it was it was just so much fun. And it was really well executed. It was really well played. They did. They told us what we needed to know. And they didn't tell us what we didn't need to know. Um, we will get answers eventually. I'm pretty confident. Uh, but to the audacity to to do this episode to to be like, oh yeah, we're rewriting the t- the canon. We don't care. We have a plan. We have an idea. The other showrunners have all done it. We're going to do it too. Um, it's just I love it. It's so fun. It's so exciting. And to put that. In an episode with the over, like the over the ten year overdue return of an absolutely beloved fan character and fan and like fan loved uh, actor and everything, a steward of the brand and everything, um, his Comic Con appearances are always super fun. Is so smart and so just so exciting. I love they they like went radio silent for twenty four hours on social media, which is not a thing that they ever do. Um, so they, it was just a very special feeling to watch this episode. It was so much fun. I'm really excited for what comes next. They could totally botch it. Absolutely. Um, but I'm not worried about that. Because regardless of what they do, I love that they're taking a big swing. And yeah. that's what this is going to be. Yeah. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't, it's not the kind of clever that pats itself on the back. It's not the kind of clever that looks down its nose at anyone who didn't catch up. Um yeah. And, and again, if you're excited about this episode, do go watch those React videos because the do- the companion, like the viewers, are the companion. They are the doctor because <laughs> every time, like the, the, the Doctor Ruth introduces herself, and and the, our doctor goes what? And like in every single video, the people watching are like, wait, what? Wait, what? And it, it's exactly the same reaction that the doctor is having, and it's so fun to be put in that position and to really. Who knows what's happening, you know? It's oh, it's exciting. I'm really I'm really stoked. I'm very glad they bounced back from Orphan, Orphan 55. Yeah, and I I that's some, actually something else I wanted to ask you about or like discuss um maybe in closing for this is one of the things that kind of struck me about this season uh so far is that we've just we haven't left Earth at all. Mhm. And I'm really compelled by that as a concept because one of the things I liked about like last season was the fact that, all right, we're going to do historical Earth. We're going to do weird space thing. We're going to do historical Earth, weird space thing. And now it's just like, we have not left Earth. 
mm-hmm. at all. I'm really compelled by the fact that we just keep not leaving. And I'm really interested in what they're doing with that as an approach of what this means and how this is working. And yeah. I'm I'm just fascinated by this as what they're going to keep, if they're going to keep doing this for the rest of the season in some way, shape or form, or if this was just like a mini arc of type of stuff, but it's just, it's been on my brain a little bit um, as I'm thinking about like, yeah, no, we just, we keep coming back here even when we don't think we're there. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's what huh. they did in season one too of the new series mm-hmm. with the ninth doctor as well. Um, okay. Yeah. The, and it was, it was like space and earth and space and earth, but it was earth. Um, the whole time. So uh, it, it's an interesting choice. It's a very deliberate choice. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tied it into the arc that they're developing, especially because yeah. we know the next one already. We know the next one is going to be on Earth because the next episode is the thing they had at the end of this episode. Um, the mystery of like three people dying at the same time. Oh, right, in right, the same right, way, right, right, In different right, places, yeah. different points across the Earth. So right. I would be very surprised. Actually, I, I, I would not be surprised if it we, they did another all-Earth season. Um We'll see. But I I would not be surprised if it turns out to be something like this is the doctor's one of the doctor's pet planets. And so it yeah. makes sense that he that 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 like the the master and and these other forces are pulling the doctor back to Earth. Sure. Um, consistently. So did you have any thoughts on Tesla? Um, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with my partner in that the best thing about that episode is the fact that, oh, right. Gordon Viz- Gordon's just can play silly, fun stuff. Like, he just doesn't get to do that ever, really. Mm-hmm. And he's he's very delightful. He's very charming in the episode. But yeah, it's fine. Um, it's It was fine. Like, I, I kind of <laughs> kept looking at my watch a little bit. Okay. Um, but it was it was fine. It was, yeah, it just, I was, I was mostly just like, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of it boils down to the fact of I just know like a fair bit about Tesla. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, no, I, I know all this. This isn't interesting. But I <laughs> think about like the fact that like maybe Tesla's just less well known in the UK and that provides them an opportunity to sort of do an adventure with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, it was fine. I I liked it. This is a much better episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's much better than Orphan 55. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is a very low bar to clear. <laughs> it is a low bar to clear. I also really like the scoring in this episode, too. I will mm-hmm. say I liked the the theme that they gave this new doctor. I liked, um, yeah, it's just the energy of, of all of it. So I'm just, I can't wait for what comes next. And it's like, I'm so hyped for the rest yeah. of the season. Even if the rest of the season just is, like, okay, yeah. This episode is just like supercharged my involvement and engagement with the season. So I'm just very excited. So Doctor Who wins my week in TV. And I'll say that even over the, the Good Place finale, which was beautiful and lovely. But yeah. I like Doctor Who is what I keep coming back to this week. What wins your week in TV? Yeah, definitely. Probably the Doctor that Doctor Who episode as well. Um, there just wasn't anything more delightful that I watched uh, this week. Um, and also, I just want more of... Yaz interacting with other police forces around Mm -hmm. space because that was really good and really smart. And I just want that to keep happening. Yes, please. (laughs) 
Definitely. Well, a few show notes here at the end of our Week in TV. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, we are in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. You can find my Avenue 5 reviews over at the AB Club. And we are both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. And, Noel, you are? At Noel R.K. And um, you can find my review for next week's uh, CBS All Access show, Interrogation, over at tvguide.com. But you should just read it as opposed to watching the show because it's not particularly good. But we'll talk about that next week. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) And we're not. Or not. Um, but I'm excited to read your review, certainly. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, looking forward to that. Okay, now we'll take a break and listen to a trailer. <sighs> series finale. And come back to talk about uh, Arrow, the series finale, um, the, the the last season, Crisis, and the whole series as a whole with, of course, friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker. We'll be back right after this. If I am certain, my sacrifice, my death, will protect the people I love. There is a crisis coming. We're facing the destruction of pretty much everything. Good luck. Back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week we are talking the end, the end of a CW era. One of the two that's that's coming this this season. Um, the other one I th- mm. would say is even weightier. But yeah, yeah. Th- more on that later in the year. For now, we're talking we're talking Arrow, and of course that means we had to invite back friend of the show Allison Shoemaker from the AV Club, Positor Drunk Cast, on a bunch of other places. Welcome back, Allison. What did you think of the Arrow series, series finale? You know what? It's I feel like the Arrow series finale is at a bit of a disadvantage in airing two days before the Good Place finale. Um, (laughs) But even in spite of that, I have to admit that I think as the Arrow finale, it was kind of perfect. Um, You know, I'm I would not say like man, there were two incredible finales this week of equal merit. Like, I would never make that argument. Uh, But I do think that for what it is and what it set out to do and what it was ending and ultimately probably also beginning, uh, I think it did really well. I had a lot of feelings. The mistakes were there, but all pretty understandable. There were enough, like, bewildering head scratchers that it felt very authentically Arrow. And all of that is really wonderful. I mean, like, they kidnapped William one last time for old time's <laughs> sake. How great is that? So, um, so I, 
I think some of it is sentiment, um, but I really enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed writing about it. And I think I'm not, at least in the former, I'm not alone in that experience. Well, I mean, most importantly, the return of the salmon ladder. It was essential. It had to happen. It finally did. And it did. And it was Diggle, which is like the best. That means that we got some Sarah Salmon Ladder, which is amazing way back in the day. And now we have this Dig Salmon Ladder. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like all of the boxes being checked. Uh, <laughs> I had a number of people find me on Twitter to tell me that they were happy for me personally <laughs> that the Salmon Ladder came back. So apparently I have a brand. Yeah, well, very much. Of- Listeners, if you don't follow Allison's AV Club, Club reviews of Arrow, which you should. Um, but if you don't, uh, one of the things she puts in every review, and for at least this last season, is, is there Salmon Ladder? Yes or no? I was very saddened when I stepped in for the Crisis one that there was, of course, there wasn't going to be any, but come on, it would have been nice. I was like, yes, oh. there still isn't Salmon Ladder. But in the finale, there was. Noel, did you also think of Allison when the episode practically started with Salmon Ladder? I did. But I mean, the Salmon Ladder is really easy when your arms as long as your legs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good line. That was uh, yeah. was Renee, right? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or trees or something along those lines. But yeah, telephone no, it was poles. Telephone poles. That's <laughs> what it was. And they are as long as telephone poles. It's going to make being a Green Lantern super easy. Um, Very exciting. What a good little transition there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like the finale as well. I mean, I don't think it could have lived up to, I think, as good of a like kind of finale as this whole season has been in a lot of ways. Um, but through basically putting that focus on Diggle, who had been kind of done dirty by this final season and the crossover, um, by not showing up a whole bunch, um, I was really glad that the focus was on him as he has very quietly been the show's most consistent MVP for me, um, both on a character, but also on an actor level. Uh, David Ramsey has just been terrific. And so having that focus and then kind of just doing a little wrap-up on everyone and some of those vignettes working better than others, um, I think just felt right. Just even down to calling out Renee as being the most like Oliver, I thought it was just sort of the perfect button to Renee's whole arc for the show of like, no, 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 you're just you're just Oliver. You're even running for mayor. It's just, you're, you're Oliver. Um, so just the degrees to which that they really caught all these side, not side characters, but all these bench characters really in really eloquent ways. I think really, really solidified. I think the show's legacy and it's understanding that these, it became about families. Allison really kind of really nicely encapsulated in her review over at uh, TV club of just, it became a really strong show about family, even when it's sort of, occasionally drifted from that idea even that even though that was the foundational idea for season one and like the sins of that so i i really enjoyed it but there are like plenty of things that aren't the best about it but also kind of who cares yeah Yeah. which i feel is very like like you guys both said it's very appropriate for arrow that's a good way to approach arrow finale yeah (laughs) Yeah. it was a fun finale and i agree it was very very right if oliver's gonna actually be dead for most of all of the finale um that's a the right way to go i listeners of the televerse may remember that i saw the pilot back at comic-con before it actually debuted and was not impressed and was like this is 
So stupid, guys. This is just trying to be Batman and not interesting. And why is there a magic island? And this is, they have not earned any of this. I am completely not interested. Um, and later, <laughs> and I, I rewatched the pilot and I was like, yeah, no, like, now that I know and like and enjoy the show, all that stuff is here. All the things that I like are here from the beginning of the show. But there's all this other stuff that, you know, similar to other shows where I have left it, come back seasons later, gotten an affinity for it, then returned to the early seasons. The easiest example for that for me is Torchwood. But there are other shows where that's true, too. Legends is another prime example. You go back to the, early, the first season, you go, oh, there are problems. But I know that the show's going to steer out of those skids and not into them, so I can really, the problems don't bother me anymore, and I can just appreciate everything that it's doing well. So this past week, I've watched the first half of season one, and I had not seen most of it. So it's been really interesting. And one of the things I did not realize is how immediately the, that tone is set with Ollie and Dig. Like, that's, Ollie and Dig and Ollie and Thea are the core relationships from the literally the first episode. It, it's the it's, the part of the show where Amel is at his best. It's the part of the show that really immediately holds up and other things don't quite work. They haven't figured out yet, but even like Captain Lance, they haven't quite figured out yet. I don't know what they're doing with his hair. It's very strange, but <laughs> to go back, one hair is so bad. It's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're doing really unfortunate combing things with it. Um, but just to go back to that after, especially after the, this finale to go back to watch the pilot and be like, yeah, Oh, it's, they're all babies. And also it's so fun to see how baked in certain elements of the show would be and how once it found its groove, it was able to like really, really become the best version of that when it was at its peak. And I, I agree this last season has been really strong. So I really liked the finale overall. I thought it was a fitting finale, like coming right off of crisis and then off the backdoor pilot into this, I was getting a little bit of Ollie fatigue of like hero worship. Everyone is very, so, so very sad about Ollie being dead fatigue because it has so greatly influenced and impacted all the shows except Black Lightning. Um, cause, cause he doesn't, Jefferson doesn't know Ollie, uh, but it's affected all the other shows in, in meaningful ways out of crisis. And, you know, Nolan and I, <laughs> we actually watch all the shows like you do, Allison. So like most people don't watch all of them. So I haven't gotten hit over the head five times in the past two weeks about, <laughs> about Ollie being dead. Um, so, you know, if I take that aspect of it away, I think I even enjoyed it more. I would have liked if there wasn't everybody gets a happy ending quite so much. I'm curious how you guys felt about that. Like, Tommy's back and Moira's back and everyone is back except Laurel. And then we make that a little character moment because we can't have two Katie Cassidy's running around for some reason. They totally could have, but whatever. Um, and so like Lance is back. Everybody's back. Did that bother anybody else? It felt a little like too much of a gimme. Hmm. I mean, I, it feels a little easy, but I also, it also felt like as much of as, as a, as much a reward for Oliver knowing that like, if he's going to make this sacrifice, he gets to make it the way he wants to, uh, as for the writers who get to kind of like at the very last minute for themselves, just bring these characters back. Uh, I think it is worth it for alone for that opening, even though I hate hate that documentary can see i thought episode 150 <laughs> where they do the documentary so thing when the was documentary so crew showed up allison i was just like oh. yes allison's gonna be so angry <laughs> oh 
And then, of course, it didn't really matter that much. And it just gave us those two scenes, both yeah. of which I honestly think were very good. Yeah. I guess it was three because we saw a little of Dinah, too. But um, the dig scene, which was great. And, but more importantly, the Moira scene, which I thought was really well played, simple, direct, sort of addressed everything that's going on in a really interesting way. So, um yeah, I mean, it felt sort of easy. I was more bothered by, like, he didn't bring William's mom back. Well, or did um, he? And she's just not there because they don't have a relationship. Maybe. But that seems weird. But then, but no, she'd be there though, right? Because William yeah. got kidnapped. You'd think so William would be pissed. It's like, oh, you brought back everybody. You didn't bring back my mom. my mom. Right. And then also knowing Oliver's journey that he doesn't bring back some of the people he killed, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I understand how that would be complicated. And also there's this really strange moment where you think, Oh my God, they're going to address the major problem with the prison system in the United States. And then just don't, Mm -hmm. then Nope, you're going back to jail. Um, so I, you know, there's still, but again, that's also very arrow, just kind of wishing they would do things like a little bit better and a little bit more thoughtfully. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess it sort of doesn't re- – the the warm fuzziness of it doesn't really bother me. And I think it'll be more interesting if Green Arrow and the Canaries gets picked up, which I just am going to be shocked if it doesn't. Um, you know, it's more interesting to have – Laurel with this tie back to the present and what does that mean and all of that stuff. So I don't know. What about you? What did you guys think? Yeah, I think that it it is a little easy, but I also I kind of don't care. It's sort of that kind of fan service where I just go, yeah, no, I want to see Tom, Tommy be completely bemused by the fact that there's a Laurel from a different earth here and how he just kind of goes, yeah, okay. Um, and just like the delight in that and watching, um, Colin Donnelly just kind of just roll with it, um, I think is just really delightful. And I think that's kind of where I ended up with it is like, yeah, he should have bought back William's mom because if she was back, she'd be at the funeral, but (sighs) so would Felicity's mom. Right. So would Sarah's mom, presumably. Right. And we've just forgotten. She doesn't exist. We've all collectively forgotten that Mrs. Lance... (laughs) Um, is a person. Alex Kingston's too expensive. (laughs) We spent a bunch of money getting John Berriman for that one episode. (laughs) Can't get Alex. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. It is very tidy. It is very neat. But I I agree with Allison in that provided uh, um, Green Arrow and the Canaries gets picked up, the ways in which that can inform that show going forward, I think, makes up for that. And the ways in which it provides now a juxtaposition to that idea that Star City has been in a state of just phenomenal peace for 20 years and what that has built up and around and that they can use flashbacks or they can use whatever sort of storytelling device they want to use in Green Green Arrow and the Canaries to kind of grapple with that. And I think that's a really compelling way of doing it. That being said, if it's still in the arrow vein, they will just kind of pay lip service to it instead of actually saying anything about it. Because although I don't know. I mean, this year Arrow did some of that, you know, like what's it? Ooh, future tense, present tense, what was that one called? The the best one, the really good one. Yeah. Um, I feel like 
was an example of Arrow making total use of all of that stuff. And the time loop episode made some of it too. So I guess it depends how many writers from Arrow make the leap over to Green Arrow and the Canaries. Yeah. So I think that, I think that there's, there's interesting things for them to deal with in terms of, again, Allison's point about like, Oh, Arrow, you introduce something and then you just don't do anything with it is part of the reason I stopped writing about it after season four of like, Oh, we're going to, we're Ollie's going to run on gentrification. Oh, we're not going to talk about gentrification. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, we're going to talk about the, the glades and poverty. Oh no, we're not. We're just going to, Oh, okay. And that's the sort of thing that I'm just like green arrows and canaries with this sort of um, star city at peace for 20 years represents an opportunity to dig into something rotten at the core of star city that just can't be expunged. And I like that kind of a concept and that kind of happiness provides them a story opportunity to go forward with that. And I like that idea. I'm excited about that idea, Um, which just basically means, yeah, no, I'm okay with everyone being happy. Because <laughs> now they now they all get to now anyone that's alive gets to be miserable in twenty years and we get to deal with that. <laughs> there is that is true. I I I'm very confused by though you know it does make for fun conceit at the beginning of the episode. Why is there a documentary crew? Why are they all talking about the world having been rebooted? Because they very clearly state on the other shows that they can't do that and that other people can't know because it'll like. You know, they talked about Supergirl. So now, like, the fewer people who know, the better for the stability of blah, 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 blah. Eh. But the point being, then then we cut to Arrow and they're like, when the world was rebooted, it's crazy thinking about all. And, like, what is going on? I Like, that would – imagine finding out that that was just factually true. That would mess so many people up. That would destabilize so many people, like, just psychologically, just knowing that and having no – way to connect like oh man that just seems like a very interesting choice and very much like a screw you guys for leaving so have fun with the fallout kind of choice but um i imagine the other shows won't talk about it at all i have a question what is the deal with dinah because i thought on the green arrow and the canaries episode they said that she just woke up after the reset in the future and then after the funeral after they said after the funeral so she if Assuming that the continuity continues, right? One one of the things I loved about the ending is that somehow everybody but William, even if the pilot that doesn't get picked up, still somehow gets a happy ending. Um, well, I guess William and Mia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so they say in Green Arrow and the Canaries that Dinah woke up the morning after Ollie's funeral and was just in 2040 and didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So presumably she makes this decision to turn down the job, to get on her bike, to go find some city where she can be useful yeah. and then wakes up in a city where she's about to be able to be useful. Uh-huh. Um, in some and however of, much like, time it takes to, to set up a bar. <laughs> like post-crisis aftershock. I've been thinking of it as like when the doctor regenerates and the regeneration energy just sort of continues narratively for as long as the writers need there to be mm-hmm. regeneration energy, right? So, um, or in a break, and break glass in case of emergency sort of deal. I mean, okay. you know, like, how whatever works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically they – my interpretation of it is that some part of Oliver somewhere knew that that is where she was going to need to be. And that is why she woke up where she did. Although for all we know, it'll be Sarah Diggle in a scary mask. I have no idea. Um, but that would be my guess. Okay. 
I think that's stupid. I think they just should have had it be Sarah that brought her there. But or like future Laurel talking to future Sarah when she knows that that's where like there's so many ways you could have done that. And but, it could be that all we know is yeah. I, she woke up the morning after the funeral and she was in the future. I would imagine that'll be a part of season one of Green Arrow and the Canaries should it happen. Knock on wood things. Um, OK. Any other thoughts about this finale before we touch on crisis a little bit and then talk about the series as a whole? Hmm. Salmon Ladder. Um, I agree with Noel that the choice to center it on Dig was pretty brilliant. And I liked, honestly, I liked returning to the flashback structure one more time yeah. and going from this v- really crucial point that we've just never seen with Oliver, which is the moment that he decided to really start listening to Diggle and the sort of process it takes to get there. And what we know of Oliver now, I think it was a really nice way of underlining what the journey was and what that arc was. Um, and it makes it seem a lot more consistent than it actually was. <laughs> um, you know, like pay no attention to all the times in the middle when Oliver definitely was still okay with killing people and certainly forget all of the times that he wasn't killing people, but would shoot people with arrows and then they would fall off really tall buildings. Let's just yeah. not let's pretend that didn't happen. Um, but I just think that was a really smart move. And I agree that it is great to see David Ramsey get a bit of a showcase. And I know he'll be around still in some capacity. He's on an episode of The Flash coming up. Oh, cool. um, Yeah, and he's been directing a lot. And I read an interview with Mark Guggenheim where he said specifically that they've been talking about his future in the Arrowverse and what that might look like both as an actor and a director. And David Ramsey directed, I don't remember which episode it was, but I had already written a pretty glowing review of the episode and then went back and checked the director and was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, So. Did he do the one with Quentin? Yeah. Maybe that one. Yeah. Because I had the big warehouse fight. Yeah, I think he did the Quentin episode. Um, Very well directed. Yeah, I just realized I said the big warehouse fight. That's like all the episodes. Yeah, (laughs) no, it's just like that's yeah. It's either the big warehouse fight or the big rooftop fight, or the the big um, dock fight, the big (laughs) fight on or in front of the stadium that's not Star Labs, the wilderness (laughs) fight. Yeah, no, there's there's yep there's there's a few of those. There are strangers in the bunker fight. Uh-huh. I like yep. those. Those are fun. Yeah. Those are fun. Oh, um, let me let me say that one thing. That shot, as beautiful as Dig's speech was at the end, beautifully delivered, really beautifully written, lovely moment. The moment that got me was switching off the lights in the bunker. That hit me hard. Mm-hmm. That really got me in my feelings. And that the was... jumbotron goes back up into the ceiling, oh. which I'm just like, wait, really? cool <laughs> it doesn't make any sense where does it go <laughs> but it looked cool i feel like we need to take a moment especially on the coincidence of arrow ending in this way the same week as the good places finale which noel has not had a chance to see yet <gasps> yeah i haven't watched yeah. it yet but oh, have you have you I'm seen glad. have you seen the most recent episode before that patty or no yeah, I've, I've watched Patty. You watched Patty. Okay, so you know about the door then. In the, yeah. Okay. So the the whole concept established in the second to last episode of The Good Place of like, the problem with The Good Place is that it never ends. And then we end Arrow with Felicity and Ollie 
in the good place, but without a door to anything. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is not a happy ending. They want us to think this is a happy ending, but this is not a happy ending. Felicity will not be okay with only Ollie for all of eternity. Like, he can make None that work. None of us work. would be. She can't make that work. Okay. Why is this supposed to be happy? Especially because they kept talking about it as the afterlife. <laughs> I just figured it was like some different dimension, and then now they're going to go off to new adventures together, and that's going to be the ending. But no, it's literally the two of them in an empty building. Like, nothing else is moving, and we're supposed to think that's happy, and I'm so confused. Ah, what did you guys think? I know I'm overthinking it. I know I'm overthinking it. I think I probably would have thought it was a reasonably happy ending had I not seen that episode of The Good Place. You know, and it's, it's fine. They're in heaven. I And whenever I see people like, oh, they're reunited after death, I just assume, you know, it's just their atoms mingling together somewhere and, like, it's not, there's no real consciousness or whatever. Um, so... I think I think maybe you are overthinking it or would be if this finale had not aired this week. Yeah. <laughs> the finale yes. had aired two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I'm not sure we would have been having this conversation. Um, so I just just bad time. But yes, I had a similar reaction. Also, it looks Star City just looks so dark and gloomy. Mm-hmm. Um like it just looked like a ghost town. It did look like but, a ghost town. I was just like, yeah. that's it was that a weird final shot. Great. It's like, I know they have to do various legwork because Emily Bett Richards doesn't want to come back for even probably guest spots on uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries. Uh, she's done. She's ready to be done. And so they need to have a reason that she is not around in the future uh, when if they do their spinoff show and everything. But it they're just doing some really hard legwork and they, they tried and, you know... They did pretty good, all things considered. I think Outlander does a better job when they do the exact same thing. But, like, your 20-something daughter, she still needs her mom, right? She still needs her mom. And if they're trying, the end of the show is (laughs) Felicity commits suicide to be with Oliver, which is what they were really kind of selling with their dialogue at the very end there. I was like, that's really dark, and they really don't want us to think about that. And that's also, like, you've got all of eternity. You can't wait another... 40 years? I don't know. Noel, any thoughts on this? I mean, here's where I'm always just like, I think that I've never gotten the Olicity ship. And I'm I'm just like, this is, every time I think about the Olicity ship, I go back to that really awkward sex scene in um, Nanda Parbat, where it was just like, "There's, there's no chemistry here whatsoever. There's just none. It's this is not sexy at all, even a little bit. So I I just I feel bad for both of them just being stranded together. But at the same time, it's just like they keep making this choice. <laughs> it's on them. <laughs> oh, fair enough. See, I, I think that I'm I'm a definite old city shipper. Uh, I think that the show figuring out like what they had with uh, Rickard's early on was very smart yeah. and it took them too long to realize they needed to get her with team arrow. Cause all the in- intrigue with Colin Salmon, um, in the first season, it's oh, like, poor Colin Salmon. Yeah. Poor did Colin. not get enough to do. He didn't come do. back either. No. <laughs> um, but was like, you've got uh, do better things with this cast. Um, and then, then just clicks, they realized what they had when it was like, here's a bizarre rich person reason. I need you to, Look up this thing, Felicity. Uh, don't ask questions. <laughs> um, that was always delightful and fun. Um, and and even just by the end of season one, that's already it's all locked in. But 
uh, yeah, I was I, the the energy with those just just like with uh, Dig and Ollie, the Felicity and Ollie uh, chemistry is there for me right from the first scenes with them. Um, so for me, that's a, I get why it's such a big part of the show. Allison, are you are you a Felicity shipper? I was, um, and I have to admit that if there are two, th- let's say three things that I kind of just avoid talking about publicly lest people get all up in my shit on the internet um uh it's bernie sanders the last jedi and olicity um (laughs) good choices these are good choices (laughs) uh which i was a fervent olicity shipper early on i think there are some great episodes throughout for them i think that EBR is very good and they were occasionally really good together and maybe my single favorite scene in all of Arrow um, is uh, Felicity's monologue to William while they're watching the footage from security cameras while the team's on a mission I think is like a really brilliant sequence Um, but man after a while they just stopped having her do anything other than be traumatized and sad and when that happened it just kind of took all of the things about Elicity that I liked out of it. You know, I was rewatching um, when Kate texted me earlier and was like, early Arrow episodes I should watch, go. Um, and one of the ones I mentioned is uh, season two, episode nine, which I think is called Three Ghosts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is the, sort of their Christmas Carol. And it's one of the very first Barry episodes. It's a pre-Flash Barry Allen episode. Um And I had so much fun watching Felicity have a crush on Oliver or sort of refuse to acknowledge it, be frustrated with him, push back at him. And the dynamic was totally different. And it was really enjoyable to kind of revisit that. So on the one hand, you know, if Arrow had ended any other way than the two of them somehow finding a way to be together, it would have felt weird. Um, And, you know, somebody would have lit a car on fire somewhere. Um, so like, that's part of it. Uh, and on the other hand, I just, it feels like that, that ship went, uh, sailing in the wrong direction for a while and it, and it never totally came back for me. So I guess I feel I'm of both, I'm of two minds about it. No, I wholeheartedly agree. They definitely did, did bad by, uh, Felicity a bunch in the show and just like this, I mean, it's the same thing that so many shows do where they're like, we have to torture people for them to be interesting. We have, they must be pain. We can't make an interesting, good show out of happy people. Um, so, you know, yeah, 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 a few other shows. Um, but, but, but for me, I do think that that relationship is the core. That's why I got so frustrated with when they would try to like pretend, oh, they're going to break up now. It's like, no, they aren't. Come on. We all know they're game. Stop. Just stop doing this. Anyways. Um, so I was glad that they did end them with them together i thought felt that that was appropriate to the show but i was just like either somebody's not thinking about it or they're hoping we're not thinking about the larger context of like what eternity <laughs> means because like that build like there's no food there's nothing to do you well, give- they don't need food kate they're dead they're- <laughs> okay yes touche sorry i'm still in the crisis place but we also don't know for sure that there's no food they're just they're in queen consolidated for now but there's that whole city it could be full of people for all we know Nothing was moving. There were no cars moving. There was like nothing. It was maybe it was you know Sunday. You, it was early. you said ghost town. <laughs> Those were your words. I did. I did. Okay, let's talk about crisis. Let's talk about crisis. What did you think? We've already talked. Nolan and I've already gone over this, but Allison, oh, what are your I takeaways? Um, K 
Kate, who subbed on Arrow for me so that I didn't have to do Arrow and Legends back-to-back on Pacific Time, thank you very much. I salute you. Um, unfortunately got, I think, the the bad apple of the bunch there. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. But overall, as a thing, God, what fun. Like, the audacity, the nerve of the CW to just go for it like that. What a total treat. Um and I think despite the too many deaths of Oliver Queen and the um, uh, sort of needlessness, especially of the first one, um, I still think it was really successful. And I thought that the Legends episode was great. Um, really, it was really smart. A lot like the Diggle episode, it was really smart of them to sort of center on one character and um, make her emotional through line the centerpiece and it makes sense that it would be katie lots who's so great um and it was just weird enough to be an episode of legends without being so weird that people who had no wouldn't had never seen bebo would be confused by what's going on so um yeah i thought it was really really fun and not all of it worked but it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting if it hadn't been trying so many things so um yeah big thumbs up for me i had a blast you know you're right an audience would be really really would be really hard pressed to understand what happens on this show (laughs) yeah no there's there is a lot there's you know the 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 legends viewers go with it um we love it but uh other people just it's it's not the tone for them i love that really of all of the characters sarah is the successor to ollie like definitely um they're they're setting up kate kane right in that role for like the next generation of these and i think that that actually that works really well but for now I mean, maybe we're supposed to think it's Barry, but for me, it really is Sarah Lance. It's just totally her show is not that. But of all of those, that universe of characters, if the universe is ending, I want to call Sarah Lance. (laughs) Well, and I think they've figured out how to have Sarah Lance be reasonably consistent on shows that are not legends Mm -hmm. and, and also on legends, right? Like the after Quentin died, there was kind of a struggle to find how much she should be grieving. And I think the legends eventually got there, but it did take sort of a minute. Um, they do a really good job with her feelings about death and they did some great stuff with Laurel. But, um, but when Quentin died, it was just kind of like, it was the thing that happened and they never acknowledged it. And whereas it used to be, she would jump over to arrow for an episode and it was like, well, where is, Whereas Captain Lance, this isn't, that's not the character I've been watching on this other show, but this really felt like, including her very few short scenes in the finale, really felt like I was still watching that other Sarah who had just turned it down because she was in mixed company. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it was just, she dialed it back. There was just that little like, oh, this is a nice room. And that was it. That was our little legends moment. Um, so yeah, I I think they've gotten better, and yeah, she's definitely the Arrowverse MVP of the moment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a f- uh, just a quick at the end here moment uh, uh, about the Arrowverse in general, because this show, I mean, Arrow, I definitely wouldn't have thought when it premiered all those years ago that it would reshape the CW for five years at least. I mean, it. it it took a little bit to to gather steamed Arrowverse, um, but then with bringing the Flash, having that be such a huge hit, and then all these other shows branching out from there, 
uh, I mean, Supergirl started on CBS, but y'all know what I mean. Um, and then taking over the show, the network, <laughs> with like just a couple other genre stand-ins supporting. I mean, I would not have anticipated that it would be Supernatural and Arrow being the tentpoles, and the Arrowverse, I should say, being the tentpoles of the CW. You had asked me back when I started going to Comic-Con. Uh, thoughts on this, guys? Well, I think that... I- for me, like the big takeaway is yes, it totally remolded the CW in really surprising ways. But I also, for me, I think like the crazy thing for about Arrow for me, and you sort of referenced this right at the top, Kate, was this the fact that it's trying so hard to be Batman. And it's coming very much from that Nolan esque vein of what Batman is, like super hardcore, especially in the pilot. Um, but then its ending legacy is. We formed the JSA. Gleek is here. And all this sort of all this sort of silly camp has fallen out of Arrow into these other shows that that's kind of its weird legacy is that, yes, it started off as this super serious Batman-esque knockoff. And then it birthed all this other weirdness and wonderfulness, basically, of, yeah, we can be kind of silly on The Flash. Supergirl's also kind of sunny and optimistic. And then there's Legends of Tomorrow where we're going to kidnap George Lucas in our second season. It just, what? And so I think that that's sort of like this weird legacy is that it started off in a grim comic book vein that then steadily allowed for that play of space, both internally as a franchise and an intellectual property, but also in a lot of ways, I feel like as a response to the MCU as well, in terms of trying to capture some of that tone and recognizing that that's what people are responding to, not so much the grim grit of the DC cinematic universe. Uh, People like the Marvel stuff. So what if we do our spin on that and pivot a little bit? And I think that that it's really impressive how... Arrow created and allowed for that space to happen as both a progenitor, but also as a juxtaposition sort of thing, as a contrast, as a foil to all of it is like, yeah, no, we can be serious when we go go to visit Ollie in Star City, but then we can go back to being kind of fun and silly when we go back to our shows. And I just like that. And I think that's sort of like the thing, apart from all the industrial stuff, um, which is just really impressive. Caitlin Thomas said, TV Guide made a really good point of like, yeah, it really kind of changes the CW really aggressively. But on the other hand, it probably almost certainly subsidized Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So we can't be too angry at it. Um, And I think that's the other thing to think about is that its success as a franchise, as an intellectual property that Arrow started and spun out, helped the CW to take some weird swings as well. And I think that that's really a good thing. Yeah, I mean, even just Legends itself. Yeah, well, Legends pivoting the way it does after the first season. Because they're like, we have all these casts, and we want to, like, keep them around. This isn't working. Hawk people was a mistake. What can we do? (laughs) You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I think it also just changed superhero TV specifically. Um, Mm Yeah. You know, you think about Daredevil and (laughs) Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, RIP to all of those, but also whatever on earth is going to come next. Um, Certainly, you know, we haven't really talked about this, the HBO Max Green Lantern series. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
which I, I just know in my heart it's not going to happen. David Ramsey is not going to be on the HBO Max Green Lantern series. He's just not, but he could. It's a Berlanti <laughs> joint. He could. Mm-hmm. Um, fingers crossed. We'll see. Um, but it's hard to imagine any of those things existing without the success of Arrow. And I don't know. I, I think just the way that we talk about universes of storytelling and certainly the Arrowverse didn't invent that but in in doing what they did with crisis and in building to crisis from the point that they did thinking about how long they've been putting in little pieces that eventually would go in to become crisis on infinite earths um is incredibly ambitious and impressive for a bunch of shows with not giant budgets um so i think it's enabled a bunch of risk taking in that way too. We, and, and all of that is really wonderful. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that I was about to say, I'm sad to see it go, but that's not true. I'm just glad that it went out on a high season. I think certainly in the top half of seasons, arguably in the top three, um, I would put like two, five and eight on the top of the heap at the moment. Um, and I mean, how many shows even get to do that? How many shows that run as long as this one has go out on a high note, not the highest of high notes, but a high note for sure. Um, and that's just wonderful to me. It makes me so happy. It makes me happy for the people who made it. It makes me happy for the people who stayed loyal to it through a couple of really rough seasons seasons. And was not uh, me. Makes... I bailed after season four. <laughs> I was there through it all. Season five is great. It is worth your time. Um, but man, was I glad that there was no more Ricardo Diaz, you know, like I, I'm just, even with the lows, I'm just glad that it exists at all. I really loved the Arrow pre-finale special being like, yeah, Ricardo Diaz was a great villain. And I just went, I barely watched Arrow in its last run. And even I know that that is not true. No, and it wasn't <laughs> Kirk Acevedo's fault. He was great. They just like, I will give Kirk Acevedo a lot of leeway, uh, but, and yet still, no. Yeah, no, it it just it broke the series. And I understand that some of that there were presumably off camera reasons. Michael Emerson wanted out something, but who? Yeah, yeah. The Green Arrow's ultimate villain is just a dude who yells. <laughs> ah, but also just a whisper. <laughs> yeah, menacing whisper. Yeah. OK, last thing. Here's how we're going to go out. Favorite tiny element thingy, little detail we haven't mentioned. Favorite uh, episode or arc or villain, like significant that we haven't. And then cast shout out. Who wants okay. to go first? I want um, to go last. You want to go last? Okay. Yeah, no, I'll go, I'll go first. That's fine. Um, little thing that we haven't talked about that's really specific to the finale, and Guggenheim talked about this in an interview, was they didn't have to reshoot that um, Slade Moira thing. It was a deleted scene that they hadn't published before. And they just ran it at the beginning. They got really, really lucky. They didn't have to reshoot any of that stuff. It was just, let's do a take with Amel saving the day. And then they just never like put it as a deleted scene or anything. And they found it. And Mark Guggenheim was like, 
thank Christ, because it wasn't going to work with us reshooting that at okay, all. I was going to remark on like the CGI that and makeup that had to have been involved, but to de-age, and no, it's just, okay, no, that makes more sense. It wouldn't sense have here. worked. I was like, yeah, they brought so- Manu Bennett back for just for that? Wow. No, okay. they did not. They yeah, did I not. That's, that's amazing. So I had good. no idea. Yeah, no, it's amazing, because I just went, everyone looks really good at this scene. Like, they look too good. How did this work? And then, like, the next the next day, it was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we found it in our archive, and we just got really lucky. I just went, oh, oh, that's so good. Um, So that, like, all of season two, I think, is just really, really strong. And this goes to, like, the villain of, like, Slade's just the best villain that the show had. Um, and just on a level of character impact, um, but also just what he was going to do like his big thing of all right yeah we're gonna destroy the city but it just felt like it mattered this time as opposed to all the other times someone wanted to destroy this <laughs> um so i think slade and then just like little um what was the other thing so season two slade little thing is there anything else oh cast shout out <sighs> I mean, we've mentioned David Ramsey. I do really think that Will Holland deserves a lot of attention as well. Um, I think Thea's great, and I think her performance consistently was really, really good. Um, Down to the fact that this is also just a costuming thing, but the way that they sort of styled Thea to look a little bit like a very young Moira Queen, um, young Susanna Thompson in the finale, I just also really, really liked that as well. Um, so I'll give it to, um, I'll give it to, I'll give it to Willa Holland. Um, anything else? Oh, <laughs> Sarah's whole little nod at still being, um, Mrs. Beloved. I just, I really appreciated that. But I also was just like, just give me more. Just let's dive into that a little more, please. And talk about this. Um, <laughs> just let's talk about this and please, please. I want Ava to meet Nessa and just watch that play out. <laughs> uh i, I want to tell you nolan av club commenter somewhere in my review i mentioned that i thought it was a little bit weird that barry and Kara were there but that we didn't see cisco or caitlin or yeah. some of the other characters who've been on arrow a lot yeah uh, and one character who's been on arrow a lot is ray palmer and so i yeah. included him in the list and then av club commenter was like no absolutely not the reason that ray couldn't be there is because he would immediately blab to either nissa or ava something yes, incredibly what? awkward and then they would fight forever it's like you know what that's fair that's <laughs> You got to avoid the drama. Sarah would never bring Ray to a situation like that ever. Never. Oh, oh, that would have been so good. Oh, now I want that to happen. (laughs) Good times. Okay. Um, For me, little detail, uh, I always enjoy the the way that the show built on its – fighting sequence but specifically it's like training sequences i uh-huh. thought that the cast and the the stunt choreographers james bamford Jeez. yeah pretty much always balanced like the energy of that of like the fun with the focus with the drive like i pretty much always believed that they were actually training and and and, and those are usually sequences where you're seeing where it's the actors who have to do it versus the stunt doubles and i thought that was something that a lot of these other fight shows i just never believe their fights um so i something i appreciate about arrow uh for uh arc or or episode or something yeah i'm just like that season two finale is insane it's just so good it's really really good and that's the the build up at the end of season two is what got me to watch the next seven seasons six seasons of the show um and and i mean it does all come down like 
they never got the flashback structure to work anywhere near as well as it did in season two. And that's even when they started doing flash forwards, which were more successful. But yeah, no, that that I, I really wish they had ditched the flashback structure at some point, but they clearly were never going to. But season two is when it really worked for me. Um, and then cast a shout out. I feel like we got to give some props to Amel because he really grew over the course of the show. And uh, a lot there are a lot of good actors they could have gotten for that role who never would have been able to handle the physicality. And so the 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 strategic decision to find someone who can do the stunts and the fights and be believable in the physical element of the, the character and then we'll stick him with a bunch of really good actors and that'll make him a better actor and it'll be fine <laughs> was the right call and it certainly paid off and so so to watch him grow as a actor and uh, and <laughs> channel vicky for a moment reactor uh over the course of the series has been a lot of fun and you know i was i'm you know allison we've talked about this off mic but i'm really looking forward to his new show his wrestling show because clearly that's you know another way that he'll be able to use these these tools that's what i was about to say i was just like i love that amel's big takeaway from learning all this fight choreography is i've got to become an amateur wrestler well he's always and, been a wrestling fan so it just yeah, is such a natural like, overlap yeah right he's just like i'm just gonna become a wrestler now and i'm gonna pop up on that that new wrestling league every now and then and then i'm gonna do my own wrestling show it's just like oh you're sweet, sweet man. You watch him over <laughs> when he would pop up on, on WWE, and it was just like, you're so much better at this than, like, everybody, <laughs> every actor who comes on and just is terrible on mic. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's it's really fun. Elson, you are last. Okay. Um, well, one of the things, uh, and I would love to write about this somewhere. If you are an editor and you want me to write about this, please contact me because I'm just trying to write about it. And I pitched it a couple places to crickets. Um, I think that the precedent that arrow set in raising characters from the dead, like using the Lazarus pit to raise characters from the dead and in regularly bringing back dead characters as ghosts, visions, dreams, whatever's convenient every time they felt like giving Tommy Donald work or somebody else. Right. Um, like that decision had repercussions that I don't think any of them could have ever predicted because it very clearly to my eyes built sort of, for lack of a better term, a company culture where no one who dies on the Arrowverse is ever really dead and not in a comic booky who anybody could come back kind of way, but in a, wow, these are the people we like working with. We're just going to regularly invent excuses to get them back on set. And what that led to was a lot of the best stuff on other shows, right? Like, I mean, the existence of Legends in total, because they had to bring Sarah back. And then Legends made the very wise decision to make sure they never forgot that Sarah is a formerly dead person who killed lots of people. So even though death can feel really temporary on the Arrowverse, it's this constant presence. Um, and they just keep finding new and interesting ways to do that, even if the tropes are always the same. The impact can change a lot. And that happened a lot this season, right? Arrow did its first time loop episode this season. The brilliant stroke of bringing the kids from the future into the present and that amazing scene that resulted from it is all sort of building from this exact moment where the priority is clearly to get the people and the characters they like on set together as often as possible by any means necessary even if it's ridiculous and i really think that it has paid off really well um on the other shows and just in all kinds of ways so that ties into my cast shout out mm -hmm. um 
she was good in the finale, but just in general, in looking back at the early episodes, uh, Katie Cassidy's growth as a performer has been just Mm -hmm. tremendous. And the recalculation to dramatically change who Laurel in quotation marks is when they move to black siren is I think the only better example of it in the Arrowverse is the rehab on Damien dark on legends, which made him took him from being a really not great arrow villain to like arguably the best villain in the Arrowverse. you know, Slade maybe, but definitely funny, compelling, incredibly scary at times, just really great villain. So, um, yeah, I love not Laurel is, is what I called her in the Arrowverse reviews forever and had to retire it because if I review Green Arrow on the Canaries, people won't know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so not Laurel is such a fun character. Her arc has been so compelling. She's so funny and sharp and can really hit home emotionally in a way she didn't always for me as the original Laurel. So, um, Cheers to her and that amazing growth, both of the character and the performer. Oh, and there was one more favorite arc. Yeah, uh, you've both shouted out season two, rightly. It's the best season, um, but I feel compelled to uh, also tip my hat to specifically the end of season five. I had some struggles with Prometheus, who sometimes was just like Adrian Chase was just really shouty and intense in a way that didn't always work for me. But that season five finale where they seemingly blew up Lian Yu and everyone on it is one of the most jarring, startling, thrilling, upsetting cliffhangers I can remember, especially in a series finale, knowing that then you're just going to have to sit on it for a while. Um, That was some lost level stuff. So uh, yeah, incredibly. And then mirroring the uh, events of the pilot by having uh, Adrian on the boat with William and shooting himself in the head and just really brilliant, cool stuff. That's a hell of a finale. No, I absolutely agree. And uh, if you ever go back to it, Noel, I, we look forward to your thoughts. <laughs> well, I actually watched the season five finale completely out of context for season five, if you'll remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, that's right. Okay. And just went, I don't understand why everyone likes this so much. We all know they're coming back. And then the answer was, except John Barrowman. <laughs> he died. Oh, oh Barrowman. Oh, <laughs> well, and William's mom. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, also William's mom. Uh, well, on that cheery note, we went from a celebratory note to a, oh, William's mom. Oh, <laughs> that poor actor note. That's, uh, that's where we're going to end. Um, thank you so much for coming back, Allison. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, plug away. Where can our, our listeners find all? I mean, they know this because, you know, you're a friend of the show and everything. But where can our listeners find all of your work? Um, yeah. Twitter. I tweet things out. The majority of my work is still at the AV club and you can find that there. We're now doing little capsule interviews in what's on tonight, which is our listings column, which is also a newsletter you can subscribe to. Uh, and this week I included a very brief chat I had with David Ramsey about arrow. So if you want to know more about his thoughts on this last season, you can seek that out. Um, you can also hear me on Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander podcast, uh, which is about to make a return because Outlander is coming back crossover show, perhaps guys. Mm. Um, and, uh, <gasps> no, when you're in town, we should do that. We should do a live we show. Should- we should, do a we should do a show. joint live show. We should do a joint live show. Okay, wait. Well, listeners, okay. we're going to make this happen. I've got, I have to reschedule some lessons. We'll figure it out. Uh, 
You can also hear me and Kate, and someday, Noel, we're going to make that happen, on Hall of Faces, um, a podcast about the great characters in TV history, and um, on debating Doctor Who, which I assume the two of you are going to be debating some Doctor Who in this episode. Oh, oh yes, we already did. It was it was Great. <laughs> um, speaking of John Barrowman... Um, so, yeah, you can listen to me and Alistair Wilkins and occasionally Kate uh, on that podcast, uh, which is about Doctor Who. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Allison, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 